yeah, hey, hey, welcome all. We had a bit of a um, screw-up last two broadcasts, so I thought, it's all hours of the morning, I thought I might just try and pump some stuff out before it starts accumulating into the, um, the never-never. So I'm going to um, pretty much just produce a few things that I went over in the last two episodes that I've deleted and get back on track. That's the way we do it around here. Get back on track. Let's do it. After the theatrics, let's get into the broadcast, eh? Like I said, two days of just loom, gloom and misery, so we're getting back on track, that's for sure. Tighten up the wheels, all greased and ironed, and away we go, guys. Enjoy. ...a free and open society. And we are, as a people, apparently and historically, opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. We decided long ago that the dangers of excessive and unwarranted concealment of pertinent facts far outweighed the dangers which are cited to justify it. Even today, there is little value in opposing the threat of a closed society by imitating its arbitrary restrictions. Even today, there is little value in ensuring the survival of our nation if our traditions do not survive with it. And there is very grave danger that an announced need for increased security will be seized upon by those anxious to expand its meaning to the very limits of official censorship and concealment. That I do not intend to permit to the extent that it's in my control. And no official of my administration, whether his rank is high or low, 
civilian or military should interpret my words here tonight as an excuse to censor the news, to stifle dissent, to cover up our mistakes, or to withhold from the press and the public the facts they deserve to know. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence, on infiltration instead of invasion, on subversion instead of election, on intimidation instead of free choice, on guerrillas by night instead of armies by day. It is a system which has conscripted vast human and material resources into the building of a tightly knit, highly efficient machine that combines military, diplomatic, intelligence, economic, scientific, and political operations. Its preparations are concealed, not published. Its mistakes are buried, not headlined. Its dissenters are silenced, not praised. Its dissenters are silenced, not praised. Its dissenters are silenced. Its dissenters are silenced. One of the last bastions, one of the last voices of the free world. Now, it sort of reminds me a bit of the analogy, if you look at it, with Jesus. When he was led to the crowd, presented up on the stage, what did the people want? Truth or darkness? They yelled out the darkness, didn't they? They could not handle the truth. Just think about it. That's right. They could not handle the light of truth. They wanted the darkness. Throw him on the cross, get rid of him. We don't want to hear that. We don't want any of these shenanigans going on here. Feed him to the wolves. Hmm. Think about it. Hey pretty bold blank statement uh, in that there is no such thing as an alcoholic or an addict and that will blow people's minds because AA creates alcoholics with the ideology that they propagate through their 12 steps and it's the, the foundations of this 12 step program is that um, that alcoholism is a disease that is incurable, fatal, and progressive. That once you have it, you need to go to AA meetings for the rest of your life in order to receive the medication. And that is the biggest lie. You get on your knees and you have to uh, basically surrender your will and your life over to the care of God as you understand him or her. I started the deprogramming process and I learned that and I kind of wasn't a learning well it was a learning but I kind of intuitively knew that I wasn't powerless and it just hit me and it, I just I just knew that there was nothing gonna nothing was gonna happen to me if I did drink again. I I wasn't afraid of it anymore and so I did. And God if you tell if you tell someone that very thing in AA they you would be looked as as a as a failure. Hello, everyone. Welcome. 
peroxide. I'm making this video to show you how I use the peroxide inhalation therapy. I've been using peroxide inhalation therapy now for over five years, and I have not gotten the flu or even a cold since I started using this, this therapy. I inhale six pumps of 3% food, uh, 3% peroxides twice a day. I'll emphasize, you need to get the 3%, guys. Don't get anything over that for therapies with the peroxide. Okay. I get that mist in my lungs, and I'll show you how to do that. I want to make sure you buy the right peroxide. Do not buy food-grade peroxide to do this. Just buy regular old 3% peroxide that you get in the drugstore. This bottle should last you and your family about a year. 97 cents for a year's worth of antibiotics. Now, I'm not sure of where he's coming from there because peroxide usually deteriorates within um, six months, three, three months usually, after opening the bottle. So be wary of that when you get the bottles. Try and get rid of it within three months, four months at the most. Now, here's the way you do this. You have to get six pumps into your lungs. I don't care if you use one breath, three breaths, six breaths, it doesn't really matter. It's just six pumps, six times a day, if you are symptomatic. If you don't have any symptoms, I just do it morning and night, six pumps. And I'm going to show you how I do that. <coughs> I exhale all the air. That was six pumps. On one breath. Some people can't do it on one breath. I'll do it on two breaths. Three pumps on each breath. Six pumps. I think if you do this, you'll be amazed at how much it decreases the bacteria and viral count in your body. I've had no side effects. I've been doing this for over five years, and the results have been absolutely fantastic. Thank you, and have fun with that. Pandemic 3, mass formation. Matthias Desmet is recognized as the world's leading expert on the theory of mass formation and is the author of Psychology of Totalitarianism. He is also a professor of clinical psychology in the Department of Psychology and Education Sciences at Gannett University, Belgium, and a practicing psych psychoanalyst psychotherapist. In this exclusive, exclusive Pandemic 3 interview, filmmaker Mickey Wills explores this topic more in depth to discover alarming parallels in the COVID-19 narrative and the totalitarian playbook, as well as the time-tested solutions for this moment in history. Have a listen to this. Hey, you going, Rock? Good. Welcome to the room, man. Psychology, one in statistics. And at the beginning of the crisis, I started to study the statistics a little bit, and I immediately had the impression that um, the 
initial mathematical models and the initial statistics all had indeed uh, dramatically overrated the dangerousness of the virus. That was the moment when I started to, to think how it was possible that an entire society and an entire population was in the grip of a narrative which in, in many respects was a blatantly wrong or absurd. After a few months it became clear to me that the only mechanism that could explain what was happening in society was what is usually referred to as mass formation. I wear a mask when I'm outside all the time. I even run with a mask on. And also because I want to make it be a symbol for people to see that that's the kind of thing you should be doing. with zero new COVID cases, despite the country dropping the mandatory wearing of masks. The process of mass formation is identical to hypnosis. An individual that is in the grip of a process of mass formation typically becomes radically blind for everything that goes against the narratives where the masses or the group believes in. They seem to have lost all interest in the things that were uh, important to them before the mass formation started, which make them radically willing to self-sacrifice, to sacrifice themselves for the collective. Obviously, you don't like to tell people what to do, but sometimes for the good of society, that's necessary. They become radically intolerant for dissonant voices. And this goes typically goes further and further and further. People who do not go along with the masses are stigmatized, and in the end, the masses typically are inclined to destroy the people who do not go along with them and they do so as if it is an ethical duty to do so. That's something that was observed in all major examples of mass formation in history. Whether we are talking about the Crusades or the witch hunts or the French Revolution or uh, the Soviet Union or Nazi Germany, in all the major mass formations we notice the same end point of the process, namely the tendency to commit cruelties, usually to destroy the people who do not go along with the masses, and that it is exactly that what makes the process so dangerous. This is becoming a pandemic of the unvaccinated. The people who are not getting vaccines, it's time to start shaming them. Because frankly, we know that we can't trust the unvaccinated. That's f them, f their freedom. I want my freedom to live. No, screw your freedom. You're a schmuck for not wearing a mask. We have to stop coddling the morons who will not get the shot. Shame on you. No mask, get off. Don't wear a mask or get off. Put your mask on. Put your mask on. Put your mask on. I want to go a little bit deeper into the idea that COVID gave people meaning. What? gives meaning to the masses and to the individuals that are in the mass formation is just the collective heroic battle with the object of anxiety. A mass formation typically emerges in a society when very specific conditions are met. First and for all, the most central condition is a major part of the population needs to feel lonely. That's crucial. 
Breaking news, stay at home. That is the order tonight. We must enact an immediate stay-at-home order. We're going to go visit mom. I'm going to bring the home family to see mom. Uh, no. We all need to stay home. Stay at home. Stay home. Stay home. Stay inside. Stop socializing. That's starting to take a toll. It's understandable. But we can't afford to stop now. Go home and stay home. Once people feel disconnected from their environment, they will typically start to experience a lack of meaning making in life. And then, in a third step, once people feel socially isolated, confronted with lack of meaning making, they will be confronted with anxiety, frustration and aggression. And under these conditions, if a narrative is distributed through the mass media, indicating an object of anxiety and a strategy to deal with this object of anxiety, they suddenly connect to one small object of fear, for instance the coronavirus, and then people don't feel lonely anymore. They feel connected again. But a new kind of social bond is highly problematic, just because the bond is never between individuals. It's always a social bond between individuals and the collective, through which an individual shows that its own individual interests are less important than the collective interest. You are not doing this for yourself. It's so you don't kill other people. If you don't take it for yourself, you would take it for your family. Sounds trite to say, but we're all in this together. Would it be accurate to say that at the root of all of this madness is our intrinsic desire to be connected? Yes. I think that mass formation shows us that people are intrinsically social beings. And if they feel lonely, they will suddenly do everything to feel connected again, even sacrificing themselves. In the confrontation with emerging totalitarianism, the most important thing is always that the dissonant voices continue to speak out in an as sincere, honest and peaceful way as possible. Non-violent resistance is what always works best it's a bit cynical, but it is in the end good news that mass formation and totalitarianism always destroys itself in a relatively short uh, time span. If the people who do not go along with the system continue to speak out, they will succeed. Yeah, the stupid thing about it, that most people were getting um, bacterial pneumonia from wearing these stupid bloody face gears as well. But you can only say so much. I was always an outcast. Now people are starting to see it. It's a different story later. <clears throat> We're all at a different journey, I guess, on a different level. Mass psychosis, for sure. If cholesterol is so bad for us, um, then why is it an essential um, precursor to every hormone in the human body? Just asking a question. Okay, so this speech just broke on the internet. Javier Malia just left the World Economic Forum speechless. It is in danger because those who are supposed to defend the values of the Western world are co-opted by a world that inevitably leads to socialism and consequently to poverty and economic deprivation. Unfortunately, in recent decades, motivated by some well-intentioned desires to help others and others by the desire to belong to a privileged caste. The main leaders of the Western world 
have abandoned the model of freedom for different versions of what we call collectivism. We are here to tell you that experiments are never the solution to the problems that afflict the citizens of the world, but rather they are their cause. Trust me, there is no one better than us Argentines to provide testimony on these two issues. When we embraced freedom in 1860, in 35 years we became the world's first dominant power. 35 years we became the first world power, while when we embraced collectivism over the... There's one simple vision hack anyone can use to improve vision, so you can say goodbye to your optometrist for good. Did you know that vision impairments have nothing to do with your eyes? The eyes are simply a camera for the part... How an Australian farmer used a simple trick that you can do tonight to eliminate all mosquitoes in the area. Oh, I should have downloaded this. 35 years we became the... Oh, well, I'm going to have some ads by the looks of it. Yeah, I should have downloaded it. goes for 20 minutes, guys, and I'm going to play the whole lot. First world power. While when we embraced collectivism <clears throat> over the past 100 years, we saw how our citizens began to systematically themselves until they fell to the 100th position in the world. 40 in the world. But before we can have this discussion, it would be important for us to first look at the data that supports why free market capitalism is not only a possible system to end world poverty, but also the only morally desirable system to achieve it. If we consider the history of economic progress, we can see how from year zero until around 1800, the world's per capita GDP remained practically constant throughout the reference period. If one looks at a chart of the evolution of economic growth throughout human history, one would be seeing a chart with the shape of a hockey stick, an exponential function that remained constant for 90% of the time and exponentially shoots up from the 19th century. The sole exception to this stagnant history was at the end of the 15th century with America's discovery. Except for this, from year zero to 1800, global per capita GDP remained stagnant without any significant changes. Now, not only did capitalism generate an explosion of wealth from the moment it was adopted as an economic system, but if one analyzes the data, what is observed is that growth has been accelerating throughout the entire period. During the entire period between year zero and 1800, the per capita GDP growth rate remained stable at around 0.02% annually. That is practically without growth. From 19th century, with industrial revolution, growth rate reaches 0.66. Given the current rate, it would require a time span of approximately 107 years to achieve a twofold increase in per capita GDP. In 1950, growth rate rises to 1.66% annually. 50, growth rate rises to 1.36% annually. We no longer need 107 years to double per capita GDP, but 66. If we take the period between 1950 and the year two, we can see that the growth rate was 2.1% annually which would mean that in just 33 years, we could double the world's per capita GDP. This trend, far from stopping, remains alive even now. If we consider the period from 2000 to the growth rate increased again at 3% per year, meaning we could double our per capita GDP globally in only 23 years. Now, when studying per capita GDP from 1800 to today, what is observed is that after the Industrial Revolution, global per capita GDP multiplied by more than 15 times, generating an explosion of wealth that lifted 90% of the world's population out of poverty. We must never forget that by the year 1800, about 95% of the world's population lived in extreme poverty, while that number dropped to 5% by the year 2020 prior to the pandemic. The conclusion is obvious. Far from being the cause of our problems, free market capitalism as an economic system 
is the only tool we have to end hunger, poverty, and destitution throughout the planet. The empirical evidence is unquestionable. Therefore, as there is no doubt that free market capitalism is superior in productive terms, the left's doxa has attacked capitalism for its moral issues, for being, according to them, as its detractors say, unjust. They claim capitalism is bad because it's individualistic and collectivism is good because it's altruistic towards others. And thus they strive for social justice. But this concept that has become trendy in the developed world recently in my country, it has been a constant in political discourse for over 80 years. The issue is that social justice is unfair and doesn't contribute to general well-being. On the contrary, it's an inherently unfair idea because it's violent. It's unfair because the state is financed through taxes and taxes are collected coercively. Or can any of us confidently say that they pay taxes of their own free will? This implies that the state is funded through coercion and that the higher the tax burden, the greater the coercion, leading to a reduction in freedom. Those who promote social justice start from the idea that the economy as a whole is a cake that can be distributed in a different way. But that cake is not given. It is wealth that is generated in what, for example, Israel Kirshner calls a market discovery process. If the good or service that a company offers is not desired, that company goes bankrupt unless it adapts to what the market is demanding. Create a high-quality product at a good price or attractive, succeed and produce more, so the market is a process of discovery where the capitalist finds the right direction on the go. But if the state punishes the capitalist for success and blocks him in this process, it destroys his incentives, and the consequences are that he will produce less and the cake will be smaller, generating harm to society. Collectivism, by inhibiting discovery and hindering appropriation, ties the entrepreneur's hands, preventing him from producing better goods and offering better services at a better price. How can it be then that from academia, international orgs, politics and econ theory, an econ system is demonized that not only has lifted 90% of the world's pop out of extreme poverty and does so increasingly faster, but is also fair and morally superior? Thanks to capitalism, the world is currently in its best moment. There has never been a moment in history with greater prosperity than the one we live in today. Today's world is freer, richer, more peaceful, and more prosperous than ever before. This is true for everyone, but particularly for those countries that are free, where they respect economic freedom and individual property rights. Because free countries are 12 times richer than repressed ones. Saying goes that in countries with freedom, people live better than 90% of population in repressed countries. It has 25 times fewer poor people in the standard format, and 50 times fewer in the extreme format. And if that weren't enough, citizens of free countries live 25% longer than citizens of repressed countries. Now, in order to understand what we come to defend, it is important to define what we mean when we talk about libertarianism. To define it, I take up the words of the greatest proponent of the ideas of freedom in Argentina, Professor Alberto Venegas Lynch, who says that libertarianism is the unrestricted respect for the life project of others, based on the principle of non-aggression and in defense of the right to life, liberty, and property, whose fundamental institutions are private property, free markets without state intervention, free competition, division of labor, social cooperation, where one can only be successful by serving others with goods of better quality at a better price. In other words, the capitalist, 
the successful entrepreneur is a social benefactor who contributes to the well-being of society as a whole. In short, a successful entrepreneur is a hero. This is the model that we are proposing for the future of Argentina, a model based on the fundamental principles of libertarianism, the defense of life, freedom and property. Now, if free market capitalism and economic freedom have been remarkable instruments to eradicate poverty globally, and we are presently experiencing the most favorable period in human history, it is worth inquiring why I assert that the West is in jeopardy. I argue that the West is endangered as in countries defending free market, private property, and other institutions of libertarianism, sectors of the political and economic establishment due to errors in their theoretical framework and ambition for power, undermine libertarianism, opening doors to socialism, and potentially condemning us to poverty, misery, and stagnation. Because it should never be observed that socialism is always and everywhere impoverishing, failed in all countries where attempted. It was a failure economically, it was a failure socially, it was a failure culturally, and it also killed more than a hundred million human beings. The main problem of the West today is that we not only have to confront those who, even after the fall of the wall and overwhelming evidence, continue to advocate for impoverishing socialism, but also our own leaders, thinkers, and academics who, sheltered in a misguided framework, undermine the foundations of the system that has given us the greatest wealth and prosperity in our history. The theoretical framework I am referring to is neoclassical economic theory, which designs an instrument unintentionally functional to the intrusion of the state, socialism, and the degradation of society. The issue with neoclassicals is that since the model they fell in love with doesn't match reality, they attribute the error to the supposed market failure instead of revising the premises of their model. On the text about a supposed market failure, regulations are introduced that only generate distortions in the price system that hinder economic calculation and consequently savings, investment and growth. This problem essentially lies in the fact that not even supposedly libertarian economists understand what the market is, since if it were understood, it would quickly be seen that it is impossible for there to be such a thing as a market failure. The market is not just a graphical description of a supply curve and a demand curve on a graph. The market is a mechanism of social cooperation where property rights are voluntarily exchanged. Thus, considering this definition, discussing market failure is a contradiction in terms. There is no market failure. If transactions are voluntary, the only situation in which there can be a market failure is if there is coercion present. And the only one with the ability to coerce in a generalized manner is the state that possesses the monopoly of violence. Consequently, if someone considers that there is a market failure, I would recommend that they check if there is state intervention in the middle. If no state intervention found, suggest reanalyzing as it is definitely wrong. Market failures do not exist. An example of the alleged market failures described by neoclassicals are concentrated structures in the economy. However, without functions that demonstrate increasing returns to scale, whose counterpart are the concentrated structures of the economy, we would be unable to explain the phenomenon of economic growth from 1800 to the present day. Look how interesting. Commencing from the year 1800 and extending onwards, with the population experiencing a multiplication of more than eight or nine times, the per capita income underwent a growth of more than 15 times in magnitude. 
To clarify, there are more returns. This caused poverty to drop from 95% to 5%. However, the presence of increasing yields implies the existence of concentrated structures, which would be referred to as, for example, a monopoly in the market economy. How can it be that something that has generated so much well-being, according to neoclassical theory, that is considered a market failure? Neoclassical economists think outside the box. When the model fails, don't get angry with reality. Get angry with the model and change it. The dilemma for the neoclassical model is that they aim to enhance market functioning by targeting perceived failures. By doing so, they not only open doors to socialism, but also undermine economic growth. For instance, implementing regulations on monopolies, dismantling their profits, and increasing returns would inevitably annihilate economic growth. In other words, each time you want to correct a presumed market failure, inevitably, due to not knowing the market, or because you have become attached to a failed model, you are opening doors to socialism and condemning people to poverty. However, in the face of the theoretical demonstration that state intervention is harmful, the empirical evidence that it failed because it could not be otherwise, the solution that collectivists will propose is not greater freedom, but greater regulation, generating a downward spiral of regulations until we all become poorer and the lives of all of us depend on a bureaucrat sitting in a luxury office. Given the resounding failure of collectivist models and the undeniable advances of the free world, socialists were forced to change their agenda. They left behind the class struggle based on the economic system to replace it with other supposed social conflicts equally harmful to community life and economic growth. The first of these new battles was the ridiculous and unnatural fight between man and woman. Libertarianism already establishes equality between sexes. The cornerstone of our creed states that all men are created equal, that we all have the same unalienable rights granted by the Creator, among which are life, liberty, and property. This radical feminism agenda has led to increased state intervention, hindering the economic process. It provides jobs to bureaucrats who haven't contributed anything to society, whether through women's ministries or international organizations promoting this agenda. Another conflict that socialists pose is that of humans against nature. They argue that humans cause harm to the planet and that it must be protected at all costs, even advocating for population control mechanisms or supporting the controversial agenda of abortion rights. Unfortunately, these harmful ideas have strongly permeated our society. Neo-Marxists have managed to co-opt the common sense of the Western world. They achieved this through the appropriation of the media, culture, universities, and yes, even international organizations. The final case is very serious, as it involves institutions with huge influence on the political and economic decisions of the countries in these multilateral organizations. Fortunately, more of us dare to raise our voices, as we see that if we don't confront these ideas head-on, the only possible destiny is more state, more regulation, more socialism, more poverty, less freedom, and consequently, a worse quality of life. Unfortunately, the West has already started down this path. To many, it may sound ridiculous to suggest that the West has embraced socialism, but this view is only ridiculous if one limits themselves to the traditional economic definition of socialism, which states that it is an economic system where the state owns the means of production. In my opinion, this definition needs to be updated to reflect the current circumstances from my perspective. Today, 
States don't need to control means of production to control every aspect of individuals' lives. With tools such as monetary issuance, debt, subsidies, interest rate control, price controls, and regulations to correct alleged market failures, they can control the destinies of millions of human beings. This is how we have reached the point where, with different names or forms, good parts of the politically accepted offers in most Western countries are generally collectivist variants. Whether they openly declare themselves as communists, fascists, Nazis, socialists, social democrats, national socialists, Christian democrats, Keynesians, neo-Keynesians, progressives, populists, nationalists, or globalists. In the end, there are no substantive differences. Everyone argues that the state should control all aspects of individuals' lives. All define a model contrary to the one that led humanity to the most spectacular progress in its history. We are here today to extend an invitation to the other Western countries to resume the path towards prosperity, economic freedom, limited government, an unrestricted respect for private property are vital for economic growth. The impoverishment that collectivism produces is not a fantasy, nor is it fatalism. It is a reality that Argentinians have known very well for at least 100 years. Because we have already experienced it, we have already gone through this. Because as I said before, since we decided to abandon the model of freedom that had made us rich, we are trapped in a downward spiral where we are getting poorer every day. This is we have already experienced it ourselves, and we are here to warn you about what can happen if Western countries who became rich with the model of freedom continue on this path of servitude. The Argentine case is the empirical proof that regardless of wealth, natural resources, population capability, education level, or the amount of gold bars in the central bank's coffers, these factors do not guarantee success. If measures are adopted that hinder the free functioning of markets, free competition, free price systems, if trade is hindered, if private property is attacked, the only possible destination is poverty. To summarize, I want to convey a message to all entrepreneurs present and those who are not but are following us from around the globe, whether they're here or not physically. Don't be intimidated by the political caste or the parasites who live off the state. Don't yield to a political class that only wants to prolong its power and preserve its privileges. You are social benefactors. You are heroes. You are the creators of the most extraordinary era of prosperity we have ever experienced. Don't let anyone say ambition is immoral. If you earn money, it's because you provide a superior product, better price, contributing to well-being. Do not yield to the advance of the state. The state is not the solution. The state is the problem itself. You are the true protagonists of this story. And know that from today, you have Argentina as an unconditional ally. Thank you very much and long life freedom, damn it. Thanks, thanks. All the way from Argentina, right? Here's why you shouldn't try it, Well, well, well. Someone actually making all the sense in the world. Isn't that sobering to hear? A man... Don't hear that too many, too much these days, do we? Very few and far in between. Imagine if our political systems all had that view, how quickly we could change this crap hole that we're in. <clears throat> the name Esau. The name Esau is a code word for Gentiles. 
which is spelt A-N Shin Va or Wa. The Wa or Va at the end of it is Evil Serpent from the Garden of Eden in the form of a pictogram. Letter portraying a snake. This marks Esau, the Gentiles, as the seed of Satan. The Shin is composed of three Wa's or Va's and four Yod's. Shin equals 300, Va equals 6, Yod equals 10, 300 plus 6 times 3 plus 10 times 4 equals 358. The Hebrew words for Messiah or Mashiach is and snake Nasha and, and Uzha. Also 358 in Gematria. Shin is the caduceus and represents the Adronimus godhead Non. On the right and its male and female aspects, Va, the evil, or what we would call Wa. Evil's female serpent on the left, and Yod, the holy male serpent in the middle. The Jews refer to the non-Jews as Edom, or Edomites, in a um, derogatory sensory which expresses their racist belief that the Gentiles are the literal offspring of Satan, or Samuel. This genocidal uh, stigmata is coded in the Hebrew letters which spell Edom, Aleph, Dalet, Vaf, Mem, this spelling is identical to the Hebrew word for the man, the forefather of all mankind, Adam, Aleph, Delph Mem. But it adds a snake to Adam in the form of the pictogram letter Vav, which graf- graphically depicts the serpent in the Garden of Eden, who impregnated Eve with their son Cain, who is supposedly the progenitor of all of the Goyim. Adam is spelled Aleph, Delet Mem, such that Adam plus the serpent, Va, Edom, Gentiles, which equals Gentiles, according to this coded formula, Gentiles are the female aspect of Adam, which is Eve, combined with the seed of Satan, Adam, Va, Edom, or Adam plus Va equals Edom. In this way, the Jews cryptically portray Gentiles as if the satanic seed of Samuel mixed with the womb of Eve. Since the seed of Samuel must be purged from existence, the word Edom means Gentiles. is a call to exterminate all non-Jews who are stigmatized as if the offspring of the devil. A writing by author Christopher John Bjerks, B-G-E-R-K-N-E-S. Entering facts, interesting facts about Judaism. <clears throat> That's right. Meanwhile, the Davos, what the actual F? Hey, welcome to the room, all. Good to see you. Listen to this. Now, she's blowing like she's doing some ceremony, all right? This is why I need to get some graphics going on BitChute or something, I think. I'm really going to have to transfer over from Potterumi. I'm really going to have to do it. I can't stand not being able to show you guys these stupid things that happen here on this platform with these stupid people. Now, this woman's sort of done up like some sort of I don't know, Indian freaking guru or some bloody thing from some jungle. I don't know where she, they'd pull her out from, maybe Mexico. Who knows? 
she's blowing, doing some blowing rice. She's probably got a handful of cocaine and she's going along to all the World Economic Forum freak shows and blowing in their face. I'm not even going to play it. It makes me sick just looking at it. Uh, actually, I'll play it just so you can hear the, the stupidity. Listen to it. <laughs> Stupid people. Listen to it. She's going along and blowing in their face. What happened to the masks? Would like to have seen her do this two years ago at WF. There you go. You all got herpes. There's your thrush. There's your forehead warts. Bunch of freaks. Like the other year when they come out and had that dancing freak as well. We live in a world full of lies. Fluoride in your toothpaste. Chloride in your water. You've got aluminium in your freaking deodorants. You've got carcinogenics in your cleaning and laundry supplies. Addictive deadly GMOs in your food. TV shows subconsciously programming you and your children. And toxic chemical trails sprayed in your air, guys. What are we going to do about it? Oh, medication right now. Did you use toothpaste with fluoride today it blocks your pineal gland and they put children on it it's inside the the, the deodorants that we use is all these things to create like a disconnect to god to serve that i don't think in the black and white lines that i've been programmed to think in so when i talk it's not a rant it's a symphony yes. of ideas and when you collect them you say oh these are all these things that connect i just tell the truth and telling the truth is crazy in a world full of lies. Oh, and let's not forget the number one cause of neurodegeneracies of our brains and our body and bloody um, weight increase. Oh, sugar-free products. What are they? Neurotoxins. Aspartame. That's right. Don't take rocket science to look into these things, guys. It's time to get off our freaking chair and stop being in a dribbling manner of slumber and start looking into these things. And stop looking at people like myself as kooks for trying to warn you about these stupid bloody things. What about pasteurization as well? What's that all about, eh? Let's have a listen about that. Another one. Just goes on and on. All the minerals to refortify the food. So a lot of times you'll turn something over, it'll say like pasteurized milk or pasteurized almond milk, and then it'll say refortified with vitamin D, refortified with B12, refortified with this. Because they zapped all of the minerals out of it, and then they're refortifying it and trying to sell you back something that's synthetic and that is mineralist. They played for fools. That's pasteurization, and pasteurization has gone on since nineteen. I'm the white They have been pasteurizing things since nineteen ten. The whole pasteurization, Louis Pasteur was a, was just a criminal. When you get into this, it destroys all the beneficial minerals, bacteria. Vitamins, enzymes, and everything else that's great for the body. It's crazy. Pasteurization. Still going on. They're pasteurizing things left and right. Microwave zapping. It's not heating. It's not taking a little, you know, a little pan and heating it for a minute or so. They are zapping it. And they are using some microwave technology so that they can extend the shelf life. Remember, we need to extend shelf life. That's where appeal came from. You know that whole thing with Bill Gates and Appeal and they want to put it on everything to extend the shelf life so that you can get, for example, an avocado that has been on the shelf for six weeks. Six weeks. Think of the mineral composition of an avocado that has sat on a shelf for six weeks. 
it's probably zero. Not to mention these new technologies from Uncle Billy Boy to Kid Killer Gates is virtually diesel freaking emissions that are preserving these things, guys. Look out for that little green sticker thing that's on these new fruits coming out and vegetables. Wonder why it freaking lasts that long. It's unbloody believable. 90, 98% of the population is chronically dehydrated, guys. That's right. And we think just drinking water is the solution. No, it ain't. You got to have salt. You got to have five grams of salt a day. Have it just with your water, even. Go try this experiment that I've mentioned many times on my broadcast, guys. Go put a, a bowl of salt water, five, five cracks of your, um, if you've got a crack of salt, pink Himalayan salt or whatever. Don't use the table salt crap. That's absolutely disgusting anyway. If you tasted the difference, you'll never go back anyway. Get some Himalayan nice salt, or you can get one of the best salts is actually the black salt from um, apparently Hawaii. I haven't tried that yet, but I think it'll make a great gift to give someone a, a little, um, which I'm thinking of buying myself, a little, um, I don't know, you know how you get your herbs and, and spices rack. I would like to just do a salt rack. I'm a big um, advocate of salt, guys. Now, the problem is your cells only really absorb your water from the salts. So you've got to have salt. You can actually live on salt if you're out in the water, believe it or not, salt water. The thing is that people guggle it down by the leaders and kill themselves. But if you have a handful of salt, if you're out in a boat, for instance, in the ocean, um, every hour, just a handful of salt water, you will live on that. You can even drink your urine if necessary as well, as vile and gross as that sounds. These are protocols you can do. There was actually a guy locked up for 10 days and he refused all feed and all he'd done was drink his own stern. It even says that in the Bible, drink from thy own well. So it's not as out there as you might think about when you really look at the um, terminology of what was talked about there in the scriptures in an esoteric mind frame. Drinking from thy own stern. You believe it or not, it's distilled water, guys. That's all it is. Have a listen to this. I can tell you from processing um, 50,000 lab tests on people. Yeah. 98% of the population is chronically dehydrated, including the pro athletes and the celebrities and the ones who drink all the water and all that. Just because I drink water and I have water in my body doesn't mean it's going to the tissues. So the issue is not hydration, it's mineralization. And but before we even get to there, it's, it's right now, um, the entire world, they're spraying uh, barium, strontium, and aluminum in the skies. So that barium depletes our silica. No silica, we're 80, we're 25% silica. No silica, we don't absorb minerals properly. We don't absorb minerals, we don't hold water. That's right. You're not holding it properly, guys. The way to do it is through the sodium, which will enter the cells. Welcome to the room. Great to see you, my love. I'm going to go for about another 10 minutes. Then I'm going to have a quick song so I can make myself a jasmine and chamomile tea. And then we're going to continue for 20 minutes and then we'll have an open line. That is the schedule and that's the way I rock and roll. What do you think about that? Um, we figured this out in 2016. We saw that there was something that was that was really going wrong. We were doing physical medicine. We were trying to figure out why it was happening. And then we were doing our hydration testing. And we could see if people were dehydrated, but it still doesn't really tell you much. It just says yeah. dehydrated. the hydration is in all the different layers of tissue, all different layers of fascia, all the organs, the pathways, the brain, the nervous system, the lymphatic system all have to have hydration but each one of those hydration points is connected to a mineral now i have heard the other aspect of people um that talk about having what do they call that water um 
distilled water. Now, I don't know about long-term, but maybe short-term in small amounts might be um, beneficial, but I don't know. I think it could be detrimental. The reason I bring that up, it can pull, um, it can pull like um, ions and, um, what do you call it, um, oh, shit, mineral deposits and all these other things out of your body. That can be detrimental to the body. But by the same token, I haven't looked too much into it. To me, sense-wise, it would be detrimental because you would start pulling too much of your own um, goodness out of your body as well. Just something to think about. I might do a whole show just on that about, um, yeah, distilled water because there's a lot of things getting around on the internet about people drinking that and swear by it. But like I said about the urine, that's virtually a distilled because if you have a look at your... Um, your in, your internal workings where it comes down to breaking down your fluids and that before you pee it virtually looks like a still it's funny that it's virtually on the same model just something to look at you know inside is outside sort of thing have a listen to this tartarium airships back in the day looking at this photo and I, I just had to now take it to you might think why am i bringing up the tartarian airships the curious thing that gets me, if you look back in um, these paintings or these photographs from the 1800s, I'm not sure when the camera was produced, about 1846, roughly around about then. Anyway, before the turn of the 1900s, I fully believe that there's no clouds and nothing in the sky in the background for a reason. I think they've airbrushed them out because there was flying ships back then. I really do believe that there was flying ships back in the 1800s, which would explain a hell of a lot in certain places up on certain mountains that were there that there's no other way you can get up there for instance there's a building over in um i forget which country it's on probably oh my it must be about nearly a, a mile high um cliff or just out in the ocean and there's a freaking building on top of it how the hell would they get stuff up there without um you know flight to produce all the um things to build this structure it's the same with the Nazca lines. How would they know how to produce these things and what would be the purpose unless you had flying ships even way back then? Very interesting stuff, guys. Have a listen to this for about uh, three minutes. This level of zooming in and talking through it with you guys. Okay, now look, look at this fucking thing. Okay, now it shows airships all over some locations. It says it in French. I didn't even have a chance to type it in a translator. I just need to, to, to look at this picture and show you what I'm looking at here. Okay, so look. I'm zooming in here. And there's a, there's a fucking obelisk that's being lifted by an airship. There's a pediment in the back, this triangle thing. These things are called pediments that you see on top of all of these buildings. You see all the columns underneath. We got these airships that are actually lifting stuff, putting stuff into place, explaining how these heavy fucking things move from place to place. This obelisk, we always ask these questions of how things like this are lifted, how things like this are moved. But look, man, they're showing it in this photo, this photo, this amazing picture here that shows all these airships ships in the sky lifting all of these heavy things and this isn't some photoshop thing what is this okay what, what is this one this is some some I, I can't even explain what this it's like a helicopter without the propeller on the top it's just look at it it's, it's crazy i can't even understand it or is this a propeller this piece here in the middle this x thing i i can't figure out how it is man look at it and just look at this fucking picture and join me in asking what the fuck is that huh what is that let's have a little look here I mean, this is me zooming in and out 
okay, his things are flying in the sky, things are lifting shit, let's see what's going on on the ground, you see any, any, any people on the ground, I don't know, I can't quite tell, I can't quite tell, it looks like some people are watching right there, like there's two people, look how small they are, two people maybe right there in the middle, and I'm looking around, see what else I see here, yeah, it looks like some people over there, there's such a huge task going on, you got like five people so far, six, that's the other thing in all these things with these amazing buildings. Where are all the workers in these pictures? And why does everyone have a top hat on in a suit? That's not exactly a working material. And then they're bumbling around on the streets like a like an act. It's very, very bizarre what happened 150 odd years ago. We are being fed lies, guys. Seven looks like a dude on a bike, maybe? I can't quite tell here. It is a bit fuzzy, but look at this shit, man. I'm just, I'm just showing you guys. This is old world Tartaria. We are in a world of amnesia. This is how shit was built. This is how these, these stones were moved. Look at this. Okay. Parla Zeppelin. These things are called Zeppelins. Okay. I can't say that. It's in French. I will type it in. Do you know there's also pictures, pictographs of tall people carrying two bricks at a time, the size of the pyramid bricks? Interesting, isn't it? <clears throat> That's right. Just like a picture would carry, they would carry on bricks the size of the pyramid bricks. Fascinating stuff, guys. See what it says. But anyway, join me in asking the question. What, what, what the, the fuck? fuck? What the what fuck? What the fuck? But here's the original picture that I found online. Gilgamesh is portrayed carrying a lion like it's a little kitten. And I'm just leaving you guys with some screenshots of different parts of it for you to have a look at yourself. Just look at it, man. I'm just leaving you with that. Think just about look it. at it. This is Toterio on our faces. I've managed to find this now. Look at it. We've been played for fools. We're in a world of amnesia. Have a listen to this lady's prophecies of the scriptures. Very interesting analogies. Calamity is really coming upon the earth. Where's the safest place to be? This is part nine in a multi-part video series based on an interview back in 2008 with an elite bloodline priest. You can find all my videos from this interview, plus some extra videos in my playlist at the top of the videos called Elite Interview. This number down here in the corner does not reflect the videos that I'm doing with the interview, but all the videos in the playlist. Now, this is the question posed to the priest, and he says, well, I really can't tell you here, and some of you are meant to be where you're supposed to be, so you can't all escape because you have a job to do to help people get through this time. But he says, if I were you, I'd find the highest place I could get to, maybe the southern hemisphere or uh, the Peruvian Andes. Now, when I heard this, it reminded me of a video I watched last week with my favorite astrologist and one whom I personally used and who has been very accurate. And before you come at me and tell me astrology is evil, go back and read Job 38 and look up the definition of the Maseroth. It's Zodiac. In addition to that, go and search the prophecy of September 23rd, 2017, where the constellation of Virgo, the woman clothed in the sun and the moon beneath her feet, that's Revelation 12. She was clothed in the moon and the sun beneath her feet and above her head was 12 stars. That's the constellation of Leo, which has nine. And then when Venus, Mercury, and Mars move in, she has 12, plus she has a great red dragon at her feet. I forgot to mention, this is the asteroid child that transited through Virgo's abdomen. He has crowns upon his head, seven. That's how many are in the Corona Borealis. Now that we got that out of the way, he says there's going to be this star called Shiet. And Shiet, the prophecy associated with this star is disasters upon the water, the sea. I'm thinking tidal waves, tsunamis, tropical storms. And it is also associated with um, unaliving and drowning, those sorts of disasters. 
and there's the name of the star, and you can always go over to astrologyking.com and read more about the prophecy associated with this. So this star is going to be conjunct, meaning sitting with Mercury, and Mercury rules communication and travel. And when together, particularly travel by sea, which reminds me of Coast to Coast, which used to talk about this U.S. Navy's Earth flood map that they were predicting was coming in the future. Now, if that's not enough, we have Pluto, the planet where, think plutonium. We have the planet of death and rebirth, also known as Hades, moving into Aquarius, which represents the people on January 20th. Now, Pluto will be in Aquarius for two decades, all the way till 2044. And what does this mean? Death and rebirth, transformation. Now, the Lake of Fire is not a literal place, people. I'm, I, please listen to me when I tell you this. The Bible is astral theology. It is uh, metaphysical. It is not literal. If you're going to take that passage as literal, then you're going to have to take 1 Corinthians 3, 14 through 15 literal. Hebrews 12, 29, for our God is a consuming fire, spiritual fire. 1 Corinthians 3.13, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, spiritual fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. These are all references to a refiner's fire, and Hades, the planet Pluto, shall bring this refiner's fire, the lake of fire, the big one. In other words, over the next two decades, you're going to be refined like never before. Now, on top of all this, we have a massive amount of solar sun flares coming in January. Now, there is a person on TikTok here who doesn't have nearly enough followers. She deserves so many more. I'm going to put a link to her video in this playlist, and it is all about what is going to be happening with the solar sun flares. It is way too long a video for me to do here. But basically, this is going to be contributing to the pole shift. Now, the Earth's magnetic center was discovered back in 1831, a.k.a. the North Pole. But look at where it is now shifted to in 2019. And it continues to shift about 50 kilometers every single year. Now, for a polarity reversal to occur, they say the Earth's magnetic field needs to weaken by about 90%. I said the magnetic field is extremely weak now. So when that magnetic field opens, all of these cosmic rays are coming into the planet and affecting you. So our magnetic poles switch place. This is known as the solar maximum because it's the peak in activity, like I just said. So the solar minimum follows several years later, obviously after the sun de-escalates from the activity from the, the solar maximum. That's right, it's a seven-year process. <clears throat> we had into mini, um, uh, what do you call it, mini ice ages sort of thing where things get a bit colder than usual. That's why, if you've noticed, in their lamestream media now, it's not global warming, it's climate change. Because they couldn't use and get that thing across. This lady's got about another um, three minutes, and then I'm going to have a quick break, and then 20 minutes of um, playing something else, and then we'll have an overnight. Now it's really hard to determine. Oh, the thing is that I found interesting and curious is that she brings up about um, Virgo. This is one that I um, raised my eyebrows a few years ago when I started delving into a bit of prophecy and stuff like that, the conjunctions of the thing. So we've got to remember, guys, even Jesus said he came to talk in parables. You know, it was for the esoteric people to actually understand these sort of um, metaphoric sort of um, speeches and, and, and things. The whole Bible is made from that. You've only got to look through them. The, the zodiac system through the whole scriptures, you know, it is a zodiac book and it is in parables, the whole thing. If you look deeper into that, you might understand the thing a bit better. What do because it is so unpredictable. But what they do is they base it off of the number of sunspots that are on the sun and then the type of activity that is being emitted from them. So it looks like our uh, solar maximum is going to be here a lot sooner than we thought. Now, this solar cycle is going to be one of the strongest storms that have ever been recorded since back in 1755. Let that sink in. And it is going to take place between mid to late 2024. 
So we're looking at between January and October now. And this is one of the reasons the uber rich are building all their bunkers. This video will be in my elite interview playlist along with one other speaking to this topic. And I encourage you to follow her here on TikTok. Sarah Star Official is her site. Now, if that's not enough, we're going to talk about the major eclipse that's coming on April 8th. But before we do, I want to remind you, we are not to be in fear. Now, if you recall, back in August of 2017, August 21st, we had a total solar eclipse that went across the entire nation. And on April 8th of this year, we will have another total eclipse, seven years apart. And X marks the spot, Cairo, Illinois. I have also heard some people call it Cairo, Illinois, Little Egypt. Now, in addition to that, this is from planetstoday.com. And I went and put in that date, April 8th, 2024. And what you're going to notice is all the planets, there's none over here, they're all on one side. Look at Jupiter is the planet of expansion. And Uranus is sudden changes. And they're sitting in Taurus. And Taurus is representative of the Earth. It's the bull. It's Earth things, uh, land, uh, agriculture, all of that. And then if we go down here, look, we have Saturn and Mars, two malefic planets. Saturn is the taskmaster, karma, uh, the school marm. And then Mars is the planet of war and aggression. And what are they sitting in? Pisces, split. Pisces, the fish, too. And all of these planets are sitting on one side. This, for me, is very concerning. Now, this is my book, Strategic Relocation. And we're going to go to the back and we're going to look at this. Now, when earthquakes happen in California, they generally just affect this region. But this Cairo, Illinois, is sitting on top of the Arkansas Cotton Shoals. And when this earthquake takes place, it will ripple out and will affect the entire nation if it's big enough. And I want you to think back to 1811. In 1811, this earthquake went off and it was felt from Canada down to Mexico and from the West Coast all the way to shaking the buildings on the East Coast. Now, there wasn't a lot of death at that time because the population wasn't what it is today. Now, take those two eclipses I already spoke of and then look at the one that goes from like Washington down to the Gulf. When you add that one in, that was back in October 2023. This looks very much like the Jewish alphabet letter Aleph Pav, which is the beginning and the end, the first and the last letters in their alphabet beginning and completion. Now we know things are heating up over in the Middle East, and so if any new peace deals come out at this time, I'm going to be a little concerned. Not fearful, just concerned. Now we are living in very uncertain times, and there are steps you should take. Maybe have a bug out bag. Maybe have some cash in very low denominations, ones, fives, tens. You should probably also have earthquake insurance on your home. Your homes are not covered unless you have an insurance writer for earthquakes. You should also go over to USGS and see how many earthquakes we have been having that they're not reporting in the news. And yes, we have thousands every day, but these are increasing and getting much larger. Now, there is so much more I could say about this, but I am running out of time. So stay tuned for video 10. We are nearing the end of this series, but the next one we're going to talk about what will this harvest be? Okay. Yeah, I thought she was going to bring up Virgo. That was an interesting one. Maybe she did. We've got a bit distracted in that one. So what we're going to do, we're going to have a quick break with a uh, music, a bit of music. Um, go back out of here. And um, I'm actually going to play the full song. That's right. A uh, gentleman that I'm actually going to have on on my show in a couple of weeks. So i just got to get my act together. And um, he's the, called the Music Guru. He brings up some really good stuff, you know, like song-wise. And... Um, so this one's called The Secret Covenant. You can look it up actually on YouTube if you want to um, listen to it or download it. Very interesting. Listen to the words in this, guys. It's a long song. It goes for about seven minutes. So I'm going to play this, and then I'm going to put on probably about another 
seven minutes or so of um, some shenanigans in the background, and then we'll have an open line if anyone would like to call in. Nothing that I've even talked about, just if you want to express, if you're going through hardships even, just come on and have a yarn with Uncle Oz, or um, you want to bring up a show that you like, or you want to produce your own, you know, tell people about your own show, or upcoming events that you might be going down. Anything, guys, anything goes, it's your platform. All right, have a listen to the words in this song, all right? The Music Guru. <clears throat> Check him out. It'll be a fascinating character to have on my show coming up. He's got many songs and albums out there too. Big Cheap plays him a lot as well. He actually introduced me to shake this guy's hand. I think it'll be a great interview, or a yarn, I should say. He doesn't like interviews, so it'll be a yarn, <clears throat> which I don't either. Man, right up my own alley, actually. so large it will escape their perception and those who will see it will be thought of insane we'll create separate fronts they won't see our connection we'll show no liaison that's how we'll behave one drop at a time never bringing suspicion prevent them from seeing the changes occur secretly silent advancing our mission an invisible weapon a dark saboteur we weaken their minds, keep their lifespan short, with metals and foods in the water and air. An organized, multi-pronged, heavy assault will be incognito, so no one's aware. We'll blanket with poisons and they'll lose their minds. We'll promise a cure, more poisons we'll give, destroying the systems of all of mankind, making it harder and harder to live. Slowly, surely, never stop, step by step, drop by drop. Step by step, drop 
Instead of me producing another little bit for the next 10 minutes before the open lines, I'm actually going to play part two. That's right, there's a part two to this song. Check this out. This is the gentleman, Shelby, that I'm going to have oh, on. So we created some words. artificial intelligence software. <clears throat> it does a lot of conspiracy of music. Globe. He's called the Conspiracy oh. Guru. Is HelloFresh worth the price? I'm just going to get rid of this ad. In the beginning, and I we will rock and roll. Part two. The Secret Covenant. Been played for fools, guys. Been played for fools. Establish their governments and opposites too. Give illusion of choice, but we'll own both sides. Control opposition, so we never lose. If they want a leader, then we will supply. They'll turn on each other, we'll make sure they do. Violence and wars they will want, they will plead. Anger and fear is the weapon we choose. The solution is fighting is what they'll believe. 
The hate will be blinding, they'll turn on their neighbors. Bathe in their blood and they'll do it with gust. We'll make them believe that their comrades are traitors. We'll fuel them with anger, disdain and disgust. Over and over we'll put in their heads. Their friends are the enemy and they should be scared. Over and over we'll fill them with dread. Keep them forever in states of despair. Slowly, surely, never stop. Step by step, drop by drop. Do all we can 
to keep this concealed, the humans must never, ever wake up. Slowly, surely, never stop. Step by step, drop by drop. happened here during the broadcast today guys is that we're at the one hour and 20 minute mark that's right i got everything pretty much on schedule hope you enjoyed that that's the, was the music guru he's going to come on my show in the next couple of weeks when i organize myself together and get things rocking and rolling and it's going to be fan bloody tastic conversation a bit of a yarn there's no doubt about it there is no doubt about that so what i'm going to do i'm going to put on a song in the background just for about two minutes if anyone would like to call in during the meantime you're welcome if not no no pressure you can come on about anything nothing that i've produced if you're new in the room you want to share your own shows coming up you want to share someone else's shows you find enlightening and enjoyable you want to share anything goes guys it's your platform if you just want to come on and talk between yourselves go for it i'll sit back and buddy relax all right we'll put something on the background and if no one calls it, I'll just continue the show for the rest of the two hour, which will be about 35 minutes, I gather. Jeff Buckley, the great, the one, the only Jeff Buckley. Hallelujah. day he excelled himself. Yeah. Don't get much better than this, Paul. I don't think I've heard a better song done by Hallelujah than Jeff. I might even sing up with him. Care for music, do you? Well, I 
goes like this The fourth, the fifth The minor fall and the major lift The Bible king composing Hallelujah 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 Faith was strong, but you need to prove. You saw her bathing on the roof. Her beauty in the moonlight overthrew you. She tied you to a kitchen chair. She broke your throat and she cut your hair. And from your lips she drew the hallelujah. 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 
right then, moving right along for the last 35 minutes. New US Space Force Commander, I'm here to testify about the ongoing Marxist-inspired efforts to subvert and weaken our military and broader America society. Check this out, guys. Very interesting. I'm an Air Force Academy graduate, former F-15C fighter pilot, and was a lieutenant colonel and commander in the Space Force. In 2021, I was fired from my command for writing a book trying to reverse the trend of the overt politicization of the uniformed services. Specifically, I criticized the military's diversity, equity, and inclusion trainings, which at my own base were illegally occurring despite an executive order from the commander-in-chief. The diversity, equity, and inclusion industry is steeped in critical race theory and is rooted in anti-American Marxist ideology. I watched DEI trainings divide our troops ideologically and in some cases sow the seeds of animosity toward the very country they had sworn an oath to defend. Before writing that book, I submitted a formal written complaint to the Space Force Inspector General's office detailing that such violations were occurring, including illegal race-based discrimination, but my complaint was never investigated and was later dismissed by then-Lieutenant General Stephen Whiting, whom the Senate just confirmed for his fourth star. After two months, I received a written dismissal of my complaint from General Whiting. Personally, I have always advocated for a non-political military work environment. Today, I'm here to testify about the ongoing Marxist-inspired efforts to subvert and weaken our military and broader American society. We often refer to these efforts as wokeism, but it is also a culture war. Yet even in this committee, there are differing views about whether there is such a thing as a culture war underway. Some members of this committee have been outspoken critics of DEI initiatives to include CRT, drag shows on military bases, trans activism, LGBTQ pride celebrations, and woke military recruiting videos, all things that are visible components of an ongoing culture war. Ranking member Garcia, as he just mentioned, on the other hand, and asserted as recently as two weeks ago, says that the culture wars are quote unquote phony and are merely a political talking point of Republicans. It's nothing if not incredible for a member of this subcommittee to assert that culture wars are phony while another member who's not present at the moment of this committee is a member of the so-called progressive squad was herself a Black Lives Matter organizer and activist, an organization whose publicly avowed ideology is Marxism, and whose activist ambition is social and cultural revolution. Service members who wear the uniform of their country do not want to see these things in the military workplace. They don't want to see them at their bases. In most cases, this is true regardless of their race or their political worldview. Despite that reality, Pentagon officials requested $140 million to expand woke diversity initiatives in fiscal year 2024, double what it's been the previous two years. There are a few things taxpayers such as myself feel less essential to the mission of the United States military than expanding diversity mandates and indoctrination. And now an important point. Such aggressively opposed ideological worldviews competing for institutionalization through policy epitomizes and formalizes what is properly termed a culture war. The fact that these debates now infect the U.S. military workplace is an offense to people like me who love their country and all people regardless of their race, gender, sexual preference, or background. Mm-hmm. Very interesting things coming out there, guys. 
We are victims of continuous progress. They have been desensitizing us since we were born. And I'll give you some examples. Let's start with the big one. Let's start with words we hear all the time and never even think about. Let's start with the word entertainment. To entertain. What does that mean? To bind or hold. To bind or hold what? An audience's attention. Okay. Now, let's take the word Hollywood. Where does that come from? Well, Hollywood comes from the holly tree. And the ancient Druids, back in the day, used to take the holly tree, make wands to weave spells, cast spells, or channel spells. And when they needed help, they would consult the magis or the mediums of the day to help. Which were the Medes, the Medo-Persian Empire, the Medes were the mediums. Channel their spells to the population. We'll cut to today. What do we have in our houses? We have these black boxes. What are they called? TVs. But if you stop and you say the word, tell a vision, television. And when you turn on that television, what do you get? What's the first thing that pops up? A list of channels. And when you turn on those channels, what's on those channels? Programming. They are programming you. Mm -hmm. They've been programming your whole life. You don't even know it. They do it with your music. They do it with your TV. They do it with your movies. They do it with your games. They have been programming us and programming you since you were little, and you don't even know it because you don't even question it. That's right. Let alone the subliminals they put in there as well, guys. That's right. You don't even bloody know it. Do you want to hear some good teas? This is some good teas you can actually have. Chamomile is great. Chamomile is great for relieving anxiety and helps you to sleep. You can have a lavender tea. Lavender helps sedate. It's a sedative, actually. It affects and soothes and calms your nerves. Saffron is a really nice tea as well. A saffron tea will actually release serotonin, producing feelings of positivity and happiness. Passion flower. Passion flower is really good for brain chemicals that produce a calming effect. Turmeric tea will help in releasing serotonin and dopamine, giving a happy feeling. You can have green tea, which will also help your energy, memory, and your mood. Lemon balm is great for treats with people that have anxieties, problems, and sleep disorders. Try some lemon balm. And last but not least, peppermint. Peppermint contains methyl, methyl, which contains and helps also combat mental stress. Some great teas you can have, guys. That's right. Bio-terrain. Now, this is something that's a little bit um, speculative along um, the communities out there, of course. But it's it's an interesting theory, and um, I pretty much go along with it. And um, so I'm going to help bring this out. It's by Dr. Barry Lando. Um, It's the cause of all diseases, actually, is I think the title of his presentation. But um, bioterrain, have a listen to this, guys. If you've never heard of bioterrain, you might find this interesting. Just remember, we've been played for fools, guys. We have been played for fools. It's time to unindoctrinate ourselves. Last time. And for the folks that haven't seen that episode, I'd highly encourage that you go back and watch that. And each of these categories that we um, illustrated to understand 
the entirety of the cause of all disease, these are very understandable um, concepts, and not just concepts, but backed with the fact that these concepts also reveal the cure and at once what we need to do in order to get rid of symptoms. And of course, it's not to try to beat a disease or kill a germ, uh, which of course, neither one of those exist is relative to pathogens or as a disease, uh, having a notion that that's a separate entity that exists independently in nature. It's mythology, pure mythology. So um, the cause of all disease part two and I wasn't planning on this, you know, we did have a, uh, a guest and we had some scheduling change. So uh, like the last one, I kind of did this on the fly. So I did these slides as a, just a way to keep our discussion on topic so we can just sort of loosely follow them and see how far we get here. And let's go to slide one, if we may. So disease, uh, we have a dichotomy. Really disease is a mutation of normal processes. And it's a mutation that is born of ignorance and by our own doing. And of course, that's where the empowerment comes in when we find out how symptoms are largely self-created except for one particular category then it gives us everything in the world to change what we don't want. And also that other category that is from external circumstances, we can also deal with that one. So we very um, boldly stated that the cause of all disease can be attributed to issues or imbalances in any one of these categories. Uh, number one is deficiencies. We're not going to go through them all. Uh, again, go back and watch that. And we're going to be developing each of these categories uh, with great elaboration in future podcasts and also in the back end of our member site. So this was just to get us started here. Uh, the biome, the biome not being germs uh, as they're conventionally thought of, but the biome meaning our ecobionts, which are microorganisms that live inside of us. Life uh, in our biological apparatus would not be possible without these organisms. And these organisms are lying in wait for a job to do. And depending whether they have to clean up some uh, compromised uh, toxic areas of our internal ecology or gobble up uh, as a scavenger old uh, tissue, uh, you know, cells turn over every single moment and those cells need to be broken down and discarded. They do that uh, in conjunction with cell debris. Um, cell debris, which is something I measured that I talk about all the time with every single patient. And when the cell debris reached a certain level, then that would indicate that cells are being broken down, prematurely aging or dying um, in, uh, disproportionately. And the, those fragments of cells that I would visualize would then uh, have genetic material and other informational um, 
messaging associated with them. And as they entered the bloodstream, they were picked up by the different organs, including the salivary glands in our mouth, and you know, which would then tag our uh, everything that goes in our mouth that we eat uh, so that nutrients would go to targeted areas to um, rebuild and rejuvenate so that it wasn't just a haphazard way of uh, hoping that the nutrition gets to the right spot. Our body is pretty cleverly designed. And also it would, uh, that cell debris would trigger certain cells to make surfactants that would then cleanse up the bioterrain from buildup of uh, toxic elements and so forth. And uh, it would also trigger uh, the cellular manufacture of exosomes and endosomes, uh, and some of their function would be to stimulate the manufacture of new stem cells for regeneration. So pretty clever system. And these cell debris, because of their size and because of their tendency to work with live cells in an informational level to stimulate the uh, you know, manufacture for the needs of the body, uh, these uh, could be confused with viral theory, uh, but unfortunately, the viral theory uh, has built in it uh, the, the notion of pathogenesis, which means they are maliciously taking over cells uh, to do bad things to us. And uh, of course, we've uh, gone quite a length to really dispel the notion of viral pathogens. Uh, cell debris is a very important thing to understand as an active part in the biome. Now, the six stages of disease will help us appreciate how when we get external contamination and buildup of accumulations in the body, uh, the more that progresses, then depending on the, uh, the stage of progression and the tissue involved, that will explain every single symptom possible that then the medical profession calls a disease and then tries to do something stupid to combat the disease, whereas all they have to do is understand that uh, sixth stage of progression and retro in a retrograde fashion. Just think about the word alone, guys. Dis-ease. You're, you're not at ease. You're in dis-of-ease. Just break it down. Break down words. It might actually get you thinking about what the terminology actually means reverse the whole process that started creating the diseases in the first place, so-called. Uh, the next one there, the line of resistance, is uh, we are able to do laboratory testing and see what the ground current in the body is because first and foremost, we're electrical. And what we think of as chemistry in the body is literal conduits for this currency flow. and the matrix, the connective tissue matrix is that medium that the current flows through. And with our testing, we can uh, understand the line of resistance. In other words, is there a proportionate, correct proportion of conductance elements that create the amount of energy uh, in conjunction with the flow or the resistance uh, factor that will either impede, uh, slow down, or accelerate energy flow. You want it just right. Okay. This goes on longer than I thought. It's actually an hour and freaking 53 minutes. So what I'll do, um, it's a theory that I, I pretty much am pretty solid on. It's a terrain theory anyway. And um, I'll, I'll produce the whole 
the whole thing. Actually, let me just share it so I remember because otherwise I'm going to fall in a rabbit hole here. Just like witches at Black Massive. <laughs> Evil minds okay, and blood destruction. This boy is going to go into the third, fourth, and fifth dimension. It wasn't long after he produced this an analyzation, I guess you could call it, theory slash, that he disappeared. Listen to this. I look at the dimensions. Imagine that this folder is a dimensional plane. Now, assuming that it is no height and no depth, what would this mean? It would mean that it's a one-dimensional world. So if Hypothetically, an organism was living inside of it. It would only be able to move in a linear path forward and backwards in a straight line. Now, if we go to the second dimension, we have two dimensions. We have width and we have length. So hypothetically, if an organism lived inside of here, then it would be able to move up, down, left, right, and anywhere else in between. And a two-dimensional world is comprised of an infinite series of one-dimensional worlds stacked upon each other. Just as our three-dimensional world, which has depth and length and height, is comprised of an infinite series of two-dimensional worlds. So this now that I have stacked many folders upon each other, we have three dimensions. We have depth, we have length, and we have width. Now what happens if you keep going on from here on out? We would have a four-dimensional world. What exactly is the fourth dimension? In order to understand this, we need to understand how dimensions are perceived. We live in the three-dimensional world, but despite that, we actually view things to be two-dimensionally. Take a perfect sphere, for example. If you're looking at a sphere... Hmm. Oh, it's gone on mute. That's weird. Okay. Don't know what's happened there. Have not done that before? He's talking, but it's just gone completely mute. Well, that's freaking weird shit, man. That is some crazy, crazy stuff going on here, guys. Wow, wow, wow. Never had that before. What the hell is going on here? Imagine that this... Take a perfect sphere, for example. If you're looking at a sphere... No, it's doing it again. That is weird stuff, man. All right. I guess I can't play it. It's not even freezing. He's actually talking. Man. That is bizarre. We now live in a world slash nation where doctors destroy health, lawyers destroy justice, universities destroy knowledge, governments destroy freedom, the press destroys information, and religion destroys morals. And our banks destroy the economy. A quote by Chris Hedges. Santos Bonacci, The Hermetic Ways, Truth About the Magic Mushroom. Plato said that we are experiencing the anamnesis, the remembering. 
Plato said that we are experiencing the anamnesis, the remembering. We are remembering the members that are lost. Because the theologians will tell you that all the Alcyone, the brightest star of the Pleiades, is where God rules the universe. It's the throne of God. Charles Taze Russell, the founder of the Jehovah's Witnesses, said that. A lot of them said that. Because it is. It's pineal gland. That rules the whole endocrine system. That's the ruler. That's God. That's heaven. And that's why they will tell you from the church, oh, you don't take mind-altering drugs. Well, what was the Eucharist originally? The Eucharist that they gave you was the Amanita Muscaria mushroom. Hello, you have an out-of-body experience, and then you look at your body and you go, aha. I'm not my body. And then you wake up to the fact that you're spiritual and then you live a spiritual life. And how many doctors, great doctors, have used LSD to cure depression, suicidal tendencies with one dose? Great men who have cured people. They don't have to take all these antidepressants and things that they give you. And they're cured forever, gone. Because what does it do? Well, it takes you back in your past and it shows you. It shows you all the things that you've done to, to damage yourself and other people have done and everything like that. And you just shed them. Because if you see them, you shed them. DMT is naturally produced by your pineal gland. A lot of people won't admit to it. You know, uh, Francis Crick discovered uh, the DNA on LSD. Leonardo da Vinci and uh, Michelangelo attribute their wisdom to the rue plant. It's been going on for thousands of years. That's why the animals, the deer, will just jump. They'll kill you for an Amanita muscaria mushroom because there are levels of consciousness. And some animals are locked into the lower levels, you know, the animals without a liver, then, you know, smarter ones like cats and dogs and horses and domesticated animals, they're partaking of a higher consciousness until they reach the human consciousness, which is the Christ consciousness. That's what it means when the Bible says, and the Christ came in the flesh. That two-way consciousness, which animals don't have. And now, with this new wave that's coming, oh, a lot more is going to be restored. A lot more of our psychic powers. That's how much power we've got, guys. That's the bloody lily. It certainly does seem to Giants. be the case that after every reset or some other event, these giants seem to have gotten smaller and smaller. It's like different species of them almost went extinct. Just look at Abraham Lincoln's quote. The eyes of that extinct species of giants. He didn't say giants were extinct then. Just said that species of giants. The ones that were in those mounds all around America. The ones that were dug up time and time again. Their remains documented. And still to this day, we are finding giant remains. Though oftentimes... They get swept under the rug, buried by our great government-funded institutions, like the Smithsonian. Look at them eager to gather up all the remains, anything that contradicts their narrative of history. And then we have the last version of giants, the ones that we have plenty of photographs of. These were no people with birth defects. I believe, if anything, that's old world genetic modification to slowly dwindle the population of the giants to where all of them that we see today are indeed people with birth defects, giganticism. But that doesn't look like the case in these recent pictures we have of them. Question everything, friends. Until next time. There's many, many photos of giants, guys. Back in the 1800s, what happened to him, eh? What happened to him? Everything he said is true. Now, I'm not sure of the guide here. The words are not doesn't actually say. Dig deep within yourself. Let's have a listen. Uh, what?
analysis of the Oracle of Delphi, it said, know thyself. Oracle of Delphi, it said, know thyself. That's what the human design system makes possible. A logical, absolutely logical, empirical method of being able to see who you are in a way that is graphic, in a way that is accurate, and in a way in which anyone, anyone can have access to. So it's a system for self-knowledge. Exactly. Self-masterhood is what I like to call it because I'm tired of all these bloody masters. Okay, but it helps people to understand why they are, how they are. Well, the first, the first thing for all human beings is to know who they are. One of the things that we see in design is that human beings live out their conditioning and they don't live out who they actually are. And that they never really get an opportunity in their lives to live out who they actually are because they keep on reinforcing their conditioning all of their life. Okay, but, are you saying that with your system, a person it's not understands mine. It's not with mine. the system that you teach, that people understand what behavior they have developed? They understand why they are the way they are. And they understand why they haven't been what they thought they should be. And they understand why they are with the people that they're with. Isn't it, isn't it interesting when you think about it? Now, when in Canaan, they went and they actually, I brought this up a few times. The people were told, they said in the book, that they felt like grasshoppers towards these people. But if you read a little bit deeper into the scripture, they actually brought back fruit that was huge as well. Now, my thinking on the whole matter, I haven't really heard it presented, it might be a bit out there, that we had pockets of oxygen and carbon. You know that they're actually using carbon machines in um, greenhouses now to produce massive crops of tomatoes and other things. Yet, here we are in our satanic society of everything's upside down, nothing makes any damn sense. For one, they're trying to get rid of carbon. Now, what co coincides off the top of your mind with carbon? Would it be oxygen, maybe? Isn't that interesting just to think about? Maybe if the way they're going, we might be the giants in the future. Just something to really think about, guys. In 2019... There has been introduced a robotic priest. That's right. An AI priest. The robot priest, um, what it does, it does mantras, is six feet and four inches tall and has been reciting the heart, it's called the Heart Sutra Mantra, to pilgrims since 2019 at a Buddhist temple in Kyoto, Japan. That's right. AI Buddhist monk. Have a listen to this. Freaky shit. Freaky shit, guys. 
Delai AI 啊，即系啦，拉咪 AI。で徹底的な違いは、私も仲間も僧侶も同じような法話をし、同じような言葉を交わすんですが、oh, 知ります。I've got an interpreter. Wait, I've got to get my French interpretation book. Oh my, no, German, Japanese. That's right. We will die one day. This book will never die. 死んだら途絶えます。I will just keep updating itself and evolving, or it will. Keep updating and evolving. Robots are still not. The robots are evolving and evolving. And this is all its charm. Freaky shit, guys. Something's not right here. Something's not right here, guys. Very weird. Very strange. Ever wonder why you're sick? You know why you're sick? A society that keeps cures a secret so they can continue to sell medication for huge profits is not a society, but a huge mental asylum. Dark City, World Economic Forum. Dark City Two, the World Economic Forum trailer, 2024. Check this out, and then we're going to have to end the broadcast. We've only got about four or five minutes left. The special role of the World Economic Forum. It is the place. Where at the beginning of the year we come together to analyze the state of the world in a systemic and strategic way. The cornerstone of our program leads to uncertainty, generalized fear, and pessimism. All the countries in the world need to be very careful. Can work really hard on exclusionless or inclusionless. In the coming generations, we will learn how to engineer bodies and brains and minds. Spreading disinformation. We own the news. We were the gatekeepers. We very much own the facts as well. Why do we need elections? Because we know what the result will be. Please welcome His Royal Highness the Prince of Wales. For which get richer.、Uh, there is no economic growth. Individual carbon footprint tracker. Certainly that it was digital, and certainly it was biometric. We will have new vaccines. Combine brainwave activity together with other forms of software and surveillance technology. The power becomes quite precise. Bring into a new.
achieves this. We must rediscover and embrace the narrative that has driven humanity since its inception. Acting as trustees for a better future. Well, that's the end of the broadcast. Shut me down, no doubt about it. So we have reached rock bottom, I guess you could call it. That was a jam-packed episode for sure. Probably one of the best, there's no doubt about it. Just keep excelling myself day by day. That's right. That is right. So let's take it out with a song while they shut us down. Yeah, I guess we can do that. We can take it out with something. Let's have a little scroll up my little list here, see what we can take it out with. Nothing really in particular, to be honest with you. Yeah, let's take it out with this. All right, I'll catch us all in the next episode of Strange Days. There's no doubt about that. There is no doubt about that. When a blind man... man cries if you leave him close the door close the door I'm not expecting people uh, anymore hear me grieving lying on the floor true story guys whether I'm drunk or dead I really I'm a blind man I'm a blind